All right. We're good. Yes? Yeah, we're recording. See? Oh, <laughs> you're waiting for music, aren't you, Guthrie? I'm sorry. I, I, I was like, is there theme music I don't hear? I misunderstood. <laughs> I thought you meant like we were going straight into the interview. Oh. I apologize. Sorry. It's okay. This is... uh. <laughs> But it wouldn't be an episode of the Sprocket if we didn't screw up the beginning anyway. So, (laughs) all right, here we go. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying a good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, who was supposed to read the first line, but I usually don't do that, and so I was waiting for someone else. Broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. (laughs) Covering bicycling, trains and transit adventures, and life hacks. And today... The High Viz Film Festival with Courtney Williams and Aileen Crowdy. That's right. We've got Courtney Williams and Aileen Crowdy in the studio this evening. Uh, welcome to each of you. Thanks. Thanks Hello. For me. And Courtney Williams is the founder of Brown Bike Girl. Uh, Brown Bike Girl partners with local government, nonprofits, and institutions to increase bicycling access and adoption within communities of color and bicycling education for all through initiative planning and facilitation training and creative collaboration. Uh, thanks so much for joining us tonight, Courtney. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. And Aileen Crotty, uh, our listeners who've been listening to the show for a while will remember uh, Heads Up and is the director of Filmed by Bike, a bicycle film fest. Uh, what is it these days? Because uh, there's the whole online and the in-person. Like, I'm, I'm going to let, let you tackle this one. <laughs> uh, film festival that features the world's best bike movies, online and in-person. Who knows? Uh, and I'm so excited to be here tonight hanging out with the people's bike mayor of New York <laughs> City, Courtney Williams. Tis I, tis I. I didn't know we were hanging out with like a... Uh, mayor, a dignitary, oh, yeah. yeah. Should have wore a tie or something. <laughs> she was nominated. She was, uh, you know, what what the term is, but became mayor during quarantine. Ooh, yeah. Like that's I, the challenge. <laughs> I got nominated way before we knew what uh, a pandemic was going to be in real life. But then I was, I was conservative about it. And then when nobody had any leadership skills uh, nationally, I was just like, all right, bike people need somebody to listen to. So let's just have some honest conversations and figure out what to do together. And so I accepted in May. Yeah. Nice. How has that been for you so far? Um, I have a sash. <laughs> have a sash. Uh, that's not the highlight, but it is a, a, a notable part. And I just really, you know, I, I continue to be dedicated to just making sure that people are educated about how to, especially in the pandemic and the bike boom, being defensive bikers um, mm. who can take care of themselves, whether they have bike lanes or not um, in their communities. 
So a lot of education has been going out for me, as well as just trying to keep people sane and entertained um, and, and cognizant of the the social distancing that needs to take place. Like sometimes we can't go out like we're going back into that third wave and bike rides, group bike rides should be like coming down at this point. So definitely. Well, it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and how did you and Aileen meet? Uh, Aileen, I think I just sent Aileen like a manic message. Like I heard about your festival and I don't know if it's just for Portland people, but I want to help. <laughs> like I want to be on your, is that, what is that? I oh, it's the picture the of me in the sash. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, I can send you all the sash oh, picture if you I really want to use it. I definitely disagree. The sash is the highlight. <laughs> it's so, and it's reflective on the back too. So, like, it says "bike mayor" in gigantic layers <laughs> on the front, and then so you see me from behind. It's reflective bike mayor from behind, and it's actually like seventy inches long because my friend who made it is like she said this as she. I sent her measurements, and then she gets back to me and is like. Remember, I'm a school teacher, so things are big. So ah. it's about twice as big as I thought it would be. But for the fact of being seen, yeah, absolutely works. Absolutely. I got I got off track from whatever I was saying, but yeah, the sash is major. <laughs> so we ha- every year we have a nomination process for right, our jury. <laughs> <laughs> and like we never know who's going to get nominated to the film by bike jury. These are the folks who sit down and watch the movies and, and help us review all those submissions that come in and really provide an important lens that gives us a broad perspective. It's film folks, it's bike folks. It's, it's just a wide variety. We get a lot of people on the jury. We like to have a lot of people on the jury that are just people who love bikes. You know, they don't hold a professional certification. They're not in a job necessarily. They're cultural people. And Courtney had several nominations and we take our nominations really seriously. We don't do a lot of our own research into who these people are because we trust that if they're being nominated by people, those people have something to say about this person. And it's really not up to us to further vet. We take that nomination at, at its face value. And Courtney had several nominations. So we're like, yeah, you're accepted. And then turns out she doesn't live in Portland. I don't, I don't live in Portland. <laughs> we didn't even know that, you know, because we didn't do our research. That's, the name was familiar. So that's yeah. how well thought of you were. Thank you. Yeah, and because she had several several nominations, we just thought that was awesome. And fortunately, Courtney said yes, even though it meant coming all the way out to Portland from New York City. And the rest is history. Now we have this great partnership, and we've been doing some neat projects together. Absolutely. And then it turns out Aileen and a friend of mine here, Maria, who owns Pacampo um, Accessories, Bike Accessories, went to school together uh, and known each other for quite a long time. So I knew that, you know, Aileen would not chop me into small pieces under the premise <laughs> of saying that there was a film festival. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, Poe Campo bags. If you guys haven't had them on the Sprocket podcast yet, Maria has right. fought the good fought to yeah. have a name for herself in the bag industry, the bicycle bag industry, and she's a hardworking lady. So yeah. she was actually my very first customer, like like a little four hundred dollar marketing, figure something out and help like get diverse people um, aware of Poe Campo bags. So shout out to Maria, yeah, yeah. love. I think that's going nice. to be like the the 
boom after the bike boom is going to be like bags and accessories. I hope I hope so because that would mean people will continue to ride. I'm really concerned about how many people will be like, and now I have this relic called a bicycle, like uh, in the corner of my garage or my apartment or whatever. Like how everyone um, has like a like a '80s '70s Schwinn in their garage. Exactly. Like these new bikes will then turn into that. But yeah, hopefully but the bags would be so good that folks would just the use bags them all the time. Be so big. <laughs> that's, like, right. that's, that's the point, right? Like it's so fashionable that it integrates seamlessly into my regular <laughs> wardrobe. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm curious. So you know, we have uh, a chance to talk tonight about the High Viz Film Fest. Um, tell us a little bit about what the collaboration has looked like and sort of what that came out of. And uh, I know that we are recording this episode post Hivis Film Fest airing, uh, but I feel like there is still a lot of really good info, a lot of really neat connections and, and sort of direction uh, that things have been going with that. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more. Aileen, I'll let you do this since you founded it. Okay, well, yeah, so we knew, you know, this is a project we had been wanting to do for a while. We wanted to do a grant program to help filmmakers get their movies out there and to help people tell the stories that we knew weren't being told enough and weren't represent, you know, there aren't enough bicycle movies out there that are truly representative of all the people who love bikes. This was a little idea kicking around in our brains for many years. And we thought five years later, 10 years off, I don't know when we're, when we're more established than 18 years old, we will get to that. Um, We just didn't think we had the means. And then this, this summer it became evident there was a great need to do something and to be a part of the conversation of change. And we also decided that in conjunction with that, we wanted to do a film festival that allowed us to honor all the great films that we've shown over the years by black filmmakers about black cyclists. And we knew that as a niche small film festival, we wouldn't be able to do that topic justice if it was just our team of three here in the Portland bubble trying to do this global conversation. But after Courtney had been on the jury and we had gotten to know her, we knew she, I mean, and she's so well-versed in this topic. It's her profession as well as her life. We decided to tap into Courtney's expertise and hire her as an advisor on the High Viz Film Festival, use that as an awesome visual celebration and a tie-in to this new grant fund that we have developed. Applications are due December 1st, and things are going really great for that program as well. Yeah, that's what happened. Um, (laughs) uh, Then in in the middle, you know, the summer has been hard. I mean, of course, this year has been hard for everybody, but I think it's really just for perspective it's really hard for people of color um especially black people considering the news like to navigate this in terms of just being able to stay productive and emotionally well so by the time aileen i think you all had reached out to me fairly early or like midsummer but like things were up and things were down like emotionally up and down like and there were just throngs of people like, oh, we need to do black stuff, like, right now, find Courtney. And I'm like, I sometimes need to lay down and not think for three <laughs> days because I'm, you know, in the target population for death in this country. Um, 
And so I think the first time I didn't really take the email overly seriously, I was like, I know them, I will get back to them. But then I had to like, get back, get back. Um, And, you know, I had seen film festivals beyond (laughs) participating as a juror, but like I'd seen other film festivals and know, and I have a good friend who is a person who's been submitting to fest a lot and a lot and talking about representation issues. So when I took the time to wholly uh, comprehend what was being asked of me, I was like, of course, this is, this is great. Like this is, on target it's like and the next step from being a juror is like hey now i'm a, a co-producer wow that's how you get that credit just somebody asked you <laughs> um and super happy to help like shape um the understanding about making this a meaningful uh, offering to the public i think one of the big lengthy emails that I sent (laughs) after reviewing like the initial review of the program um, nominees was like, it's really important for folks to understand as they talk about uh, black issues and then black people and then black indigenous people is like really understand who are you really trying to talk to and about and understand, you know, that black lives matter movement um, is talking about, blacks who are in America, you know, we had a lot of international films and it's just like, well, you know, you have to find some fidelity about if you're going to be motivated to do this because of and for the advancement of black people in America, then that's who should be seeing themselves reflected in the film festival that you're putting forward, right? Like what you shouldn't do. And this is just from a consulting and angle or just like and consulting just means sharing my wisdom honest to god it just means you know be consistent like really think through what you're putting out there nobody wants to feel like you threw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall because it just wasn't white and that means Mm. black like no black is black and then black um immigrant and black american are two different things and two experiences so that's some of the conversation that we had to have as we put together uh which films we're going to make it into um the program yeah, and I'm so glad you bring that up, Courtney, because to me, that that point in particular was one of the moments where I was like, this is why we hired Courtney <laughs> to join us, because those are, you know, there were films we wanted to show because we know them and we love them. And we're like, oh, I've always loved, you know, you, Guthrie, you know, a lot of these films, King of the Mountain, you know, we were, oh, my gosh, we want to show these films that we've known and loved over the years that you know, come from Africa, come from other countries, And we are so proud of the fact that we're an international film festival. We have these lovely relationships with filmmakers all over the world. But that wasn't the point of High Viz. And and we hadn't really defined that at the time until we talked further with Courtney and she brought up these ideas. And it's like, yeah, we need to be more of the times and relevant to what's happening right here in America. And if that means letting go of some of those stories, that's just fine because that made for a much stronger program and at film by bike we absolutely love the curation process like what are we putting together what's matching with what and courtney's input on that was so invaluable that this is my this is my soapbox speech for anyone considering hiring a consultant on a project you get that outsider perspective that is utterly invaluable and as an artist to be able to take that outside feedback and to incorporate it into something and make it a better end result is so 
awesome. Like that's powerful. And that's what I think made it such a a great program in the long run is to have Courtney's input and to have her be our co-producer. Yay. You know, we had one, one other thing that did come up and this is, you know, it's just relevant across the board, whether it's a film festival or not. It's, um, a lot of times when we're talking representation, we're thinking in your face before, you know, in front of the camera, like who's the subject of a film. But one of the things that I talked and I was working mostly like hand in hand with Melina, the film's manager, um, was also about considering that representation and uplift of BIPOC folks isn't just who's in the film, but who's also making the film because it's totally possible if we're talking about people's perspectives, like the perspective comes from the person behind that lens. And it's totally possible that there could be a film with no people of color in it, um, created by a person of color as a commentary, you know, or like, what if I were to shoot a film about uh, gentrification, right? It's totally reasonable that there would be no black people or brown people in it because the subject is gentrification or like we're talking about behaviors. So um, that's something else for anybody considering um, a project that's, that's intended to give rise to arts folks or producers a chance within the theme of sort of like chances and and rise so i think of like people lifting people up and like into those positions of power um Mm -hmm. the bike industry and maybe even more niche wise you know bike film industry is like such a small area and so i'm curious like where you've seen sort of success stories in that regard um and what you think or like you know what what would one like to see out there how can how can somebody listening to this maybe look introspectively um and be part of a broader representation uh in terms of those two niches go is that for me that's it open-ended question okay for for anybody (laughs) for anybody and then you want to stab at it i don't know that's a broad question that was broad and hefty but what i can say let me say i i've been saying this in various places that if i had to give 2020 a word um the word of the year would be nuance right you can't have Um, authenticity and diversity and again fidelity without being able to navigate one one, understand nuance and then navigate back and like speak to nuance so that's why it's important you know this is what this is the role of me as a consultant not just being a consultant and not just being an outsider but being an expert at who I am I'm an an expert to the extent that I'm an expert right in identity and race politics and ethics and like the philosophy of like essentially essentially the philosophy is love like how do I align my actions with thoughts of caring for everyone else around me as a community and making sure that they're okay like that's what racial justice really is at the end of the day um yeah so i think people can also relate that to um what they hear more so as like poc centered like centering people of color like you have to be willing if you want to make the difference to put 
whoever the oppressed person is at the center and listen to what they say because the learning curve between yourself as a non-oppressed person as the non-POC um in the room or in the dynamic you'll never be able to catch up with what they are able to understand in terms of nuance and like as that translates to film that's the visual nuance the 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 staging the the composition of of whatever the scene is written to be like you need people of color on your teams to contribute to like be your eyes your brain and like even when it comes down to selections like i'm not sure yet what's going on with the submissions aileen but like it ma- it's going to matter which is part of why i wanted to be a juror who sees those proposals for what's what's going to be proposed by people of color to say because if you think you know if, if people if america's living in two different worlds or multiple different worlds like you just might not have the vocabulary the mental and cultural vocabulary to appreciate what somebody is proposing or putting in front of you and in terms of submissions for our new grant program yes. all i know is it is off the hook oh for real yay we have tons of submissions that's all i i haven't looked at them because mary's overseeing that aspect but she has told me that we have been flooded with applications from people of color who are seeking a financial grant to make their bicycle story so for those of you who feel like bicycle films are niche yes they are but we are currently overwhelmed with the number of applications and our deadline is not until December 1st. And most people wait until the very last minute to submit grant (laughs) applications. So we've got our work cut out for us, but uh, financial donations are coming in for that program. And that is the key to how many filmmakers we can award with a grant. And we're hopeful that we'll be able to award. We know we'll be awarding at least two people in 2020. And we sure would love to award more if the funding comes in. But I'm heartened to see that so many people are taking that bold step to tell the story that they want to tell, whether it's a personal story or an artistic story or anything in between. Um, I think it's scary to make a movie. I made a movie once. It was really nerve-wracking because you're putting your artistic self out there and so for folks so many folks to be applying to tell their stories and they they get their artistic work out there to me is so exciting and and we're excited that we're going to be able to help fund some of these stories to be told right on yeah thank you for that nuance by the way that's very well put the word of 2020 yeah (laughs) indeed an important word uh, Aaron, you, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but have, have you any questions? <laughs> Just um, kidding. I put you on. Yeah, you, you totally put me on the spot. Thanks. Uh, so we talked a little bit about nuance and um, we talked fairly abstractly about uh, putting BIPOC voices at the center of things. Um, how does that look? in the practicality of it in, in practice. Um, you, I guess, yeah, it, we don't quite get there or we haven't quite got there yet, but as far as like in your consulting, um, this is a poorly worded question. I'm sorry. Let, let me, <laughs> let me help you. Okay. please. Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> thank you for that lifeline. It, 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 
it's a big nebulous thing to like yeah. try to describe and then ask questions about when it comes to race and all this stuff. Um, so I started Brown by Girl and I registered in 2016. I think by that December, maybe I did like one little event, but it really got off the ground in 2017. And one of the main things that I do that was taking me around the country prior to um, the film festival was that I created this, what I call anti-bias, anti-privilege uh, training called the Outside Advocate for advocates who are outside of black and brown communities, want to partner with them. And the main two things that people have to, uh, it comes like we do four hours and we talk about like historical um, consciousness of people of color. And there are, are four modules, like you can choose to customize to whatever organization you're working with and you're like personal, like things that you all need to work on as a group. But the two things that you have to work on um, in terms of lessons that I teach are about tokenism and about the words that we use and how it functions to other people. Um, and so basically the one of the major takeaways of what I try to express to people is that centering is, and you know, y'all are in Portland where there are it's a lot of white people. Um, so many. So centering many. is not about necessarily being present and adding um, physical representation because there mm-hmm. are plenty of people who can physically be present, you know, even if it comes to like just women, you know, being at male dominated spaces. So it's no different that people of color can be brought into predominantly white spaces and be just as powerless and overlooked or bullied or whatever the case. So centering is about letting the needs of that population of the oppressed people and then their own um their own stated and preferred ways of being um, helped or the guidance that they've already created, you know, over decades. I think a lot of people are looking at Black Lives Matter right now and saying, oh my goodness, there's an issue that I have just become aware of. Let me try to reinvent a wheel, except I don't know I'm trying to reinvent something. Um, It's like this for for the outdoor industry especially um that people are like the white people are like let us come up with our own solutions for how we're going to fix ourselves Mm -hmm. in this problem we've just found out about and it's like hello i am the actual person who's been affected by this and i and my ancestors have been saying for decades upon decades please do this please stop doing that so centering is about taking the need to dominate the choice about how you're going to fix it you know it's like i'm going to tell you how i'm going to love you like no i here's here's my love language stop discriminating (laughs) like (laughs) those are the things you don't need to start all over that centering is about the voices and the guidance from the people who are oppressed and they don't have to be there they got books they got youtubes they got social media accounts they're everywhere rather than (laughs) rather than reinvent the wheel don't reinvent to, to the hand wheel. off to somebody, ask that person what they really want. It's called and, humility. And let them. On mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> or to, you know, give up the power you 
they're just realizing that you had held to, yeah. to somebody else who knows what they want to do with it and just go with that. Just go with it. Backseat. Like, how can I help you continue what you're doing? Because you're already going in the right direction. And one of the things I love about using film in this way and with our new grant fund and trying to bring more representation onto the screen and tell the stories that are far too often left out of the conversation is that there's a great power in film in that we get lost in film. We, we sink in and a a well-made film, we forget about what's happening next to us and the things we had to do that day at work. And, and that's the whole goal of a good film is that you, you become one with that film for a moment. And I think to bring more filmmakers to the screen who are telling stories that haven't been told, that there, there's real power in that because when you are immersed in that film, there's no denying that story at that time. I mean, you maybe are scrutinizing or having thoughts or analyzing and having feelings, but but you are in that moment with that filmmaker in their story. And I think it's a really powerful opportunity for us to bring more representation to the outdoors industry, to cycling in, in particular. We've always thought as Film by Bike is this amazing opportunity to elevate cyclists as not second-class citizens who deserve to be run off the road by big vehicles, but instead people who deserve a place on the road and to do that by celebrating the artistic aspect. And now this this new endeavor that we're working on and this new aspect of the festival that we're collaborating with Courtney on, I think just adds another layer to that of giving people value and, and finally giving more value to black Americans who have been so often left out of the conversation when it comes to cycling, when it comes to the outdoors, but especially when it comes to cycling. So let's all sink into the movies. Like, I think that's going to, I'm, I'm <laughs> so excited to see what, what comes of this initiative. Like what are these films that people are applying for grants for? And what are we going to see next year? Next year, I think, our grant program aside, I think our submissions are going to be way different next year because people are in quarantine and people have a lot more on their mind in very different ways than they have before. Our deadline's always January 20th, so it kind of hits at an interesting time during everything that's been happening in 2020. So we're already excited for the films that are going to come in, and then on top of that, the grant-funded films will be an additional layer of intrigue um, for us as a festival that really just loves to look at the cultural aspect of what's happening in, in the bike culture. I'm certain there's going to be one, and like this is across the board, there's going to be one million and one bike protest films. And I was like, and I was telling, (laughs) I was telling my friends who I was encouraging to apply. I was like, looky here. And this is even part of the conversation that we had. Um, Part of me co-producing was requesting that um, ahead of the festival, we do a talk with an actual filmmaker of color and Melina to like help folks who are, you know, I'm, 
as a culture, people, black people are very risk averse, like all together, because, you know, there's survival and then there's like, let's not deviate. Mm. Um, so even though there's often times that there are opportunities ahead of them, I know that a lot of folks are very conservative about stepping into new areas and or you have great ideas, but there's so much working against you to tell you you don't belong that there's a lot of imposter syndrome out there. And I was like, because I know this, let's try to combat this ahead of time. And so I did an IG live with both Melina, who's able to like talk to people through like, this is what the process is like to apply to our particular film festival, right? So they could get a grip on that. But then also talking to Howard um, Gato Mitchell, who's out y'all's way about you know, what are the things that you've run up against? Like, because people of color and anticipate running up against like roadblocks. So let's talk about it. Let's talk all the way through what you're going to run up against, what can go right, what can go wrong. And one of the things I said, I was like, Howard, what about being on theme or like in vogue for the moment? Like what should people do? Because after this summer, there's going to be a million and one bike protest films. And he's just like, you know, in terms of people of color always having to have or seemingly always having a political voice or having their artwork tinged with politics. Like if it's your truth, it's your truth. But at the same time, you have to know that if there is a huge zeitgeist moment, you have to distinguish yourself in that. So I was telling my friends like, all right, you can, you can make that film, but please just be, be special, have a different perspective other than just, here I am at the protest riding around. Look, this is powerful. Look, there's lots of people. I'm like, we already got that part. So that's just one of the things that stuck out. And I'm looking at for 2021, I'm like so many protest films. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Like I, I think the, uh, there's like a tiny analog to like the, the, the moments you saw like film, especially within the bike film does see these different periods of time. Like, uh, BMX is super popular and then uh, mountain biking is really popular, you know, and so like within the context of protest films, it's those films that are, they're the art that's the elevated form of the topic that, that you know, if there's a hundred films in, it's that five or ten that you're like, wow, they really took this moment in time and like covered it, but they covered it with this very unique perspective and they showed us exactly what they wanted us to see. So the filmmakers that are able to do that, um, that, that's the art. Yeah. Well, pro tip, we go crazy for animation at Film by Bike. We never get enough animation in. Melina, our films manager, loves it. Uh, that is an itch we just can't scratch enough. We've never had as much animation in as we wanted, and it was a goal for our 2020 festival, and we sure did sure did get a lot of animation in, but we wouldn't mind seeing more. And I would love to see a protest-related film that incorporates animation just gonna say it okay <laughs> so if you if <laughs> you really want to if you want to cut through the fray that's a really creative way to do it partner with an illustrator there's a great opportunity there to tell a story i think one of those last minute applicants to the grant is listening to this <laughs> And they're like, like, okay, to bring and now I'll put I'll use my great like my on a sticky pad, like flipping, flipping, flipping. <laughs> <laughs> I like those ones. <laughs> I know. I do too. Yeah. Sweet. Um, well, is there anything we haven't dived into? Any any questions that, you know, either you, Aileen, or Courtney, uh, when you get done with something like this, you're like, damn, I wish they really would have asked 
XYZ. Uh, I'll, I'll put it out there too. But. Well, that doesn't happen for 24 hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, re- the regret and confusion, like, oh, darn. A moment of That's reflection. Like right. At 2 a.m., you, you wake up and you're like, oh, wait, I should have sweat. Said. Just like, damn it. Um, well, I, I will, for the, um, for the listeners, I will just let people know that the High Viz Film Festival was an awesome celebration of films of people of color and you can still watch it and we intentionally made this a free program. It's free pay what you will, pay what you want pay what you wish and people were generous and a lot of people bought free tickets which was awesome because that's what we wanted. If if a free ticket is right for you, a free ticket's right for you that's what it's there for. And then other people gave very generously because they had the means to do that. And they understood that that was going to help somebody else be able to get in for free. So it's like, to me, that's a super lovely model. And I'm really glad that we went with that. So that program is still available and you can find that on our website really easily in the menu on our website. So you can still watch this really cool program of films. And then if folks are interested in applying for a grant, all that info is on our website. Also, again, that's coming up December first but this is not a flash in the pan program so we already have enough funding in our coffers to keep this going as a revolving grant fund we're really excited Uh, that we've had some industry support uh after many many years of looking for industry support we finally have some oh wow Uh, film by bike is 18 years old and we've always struggled to get the support of the bicycle industry and to be on the bicycle industry's radar. And uh, we have some really amazing partners over the years in the bike industry, but not very many of them, considering we're 18 years old and very well established and global. But now we do. So we're really excited that some awesome partners have come on board, most notably Machines for Freedom. As soon as they heard about our new grant fund, they were right on board. I mean, this is right in line with who they are as as a company they're such an impressive company and and they're right there with us so um we're excited for people to be applying i know i talked about there being a lot of applications already rolling in but don't let that deter you because we do have some additional perks for everyone who applies even if you don't get funded we do have some additional support that we're still working on, but have in the works for how we're going to support all the filmmakers who apply, whether or not they get a financial grant. But we do want to be able to thank those folks for their time in applying and to be able to give them some support along the way. So there's still plenty of time to get a grant application in. And another thing as like a program wonk that I am, we were really dedicated to making our application process easy. We were not into the idea of an unwieldy form that created more work for people. That is just not our style. We're super streamlined and efficient. So we made this application uh, an opportunity for us to understand the nitty gritty of what someone's trying to do but not have to make it extra work. So it's a quick application process that really gets to the heart of the concept and gives our review team just enough information to make a really smart choice, though really hard choice in who's going to receive grants this year. And then again, it's a revolving grant fund. So we're already tucking money aside for next year so that we'll be able to keep this program going. 
and it's a crowd-funded program. So the more donations we're able to receive from folks like every one of you listening, the more films over the years and in this year that we'll be able to award. So all the information on making a donation to this grant fund is on our website at filmbybike.org. And I encourage all of you, even just $5 goes a long way. If everyone listening were to give $5, we'd be well on our way to funding more films and to having this be a healthy, sustainable grant fund where we can continue to fund important stories over time and to get more black voices on screen and to support more black filmmakers in telling their stories. Yeah, and I think it's super important for, well, one, just as a side note, the festival is BIPOC, so I know we keep seeing uh, there's a lot of fo- focus on Black contributors, but there's definitely uh, representation for a lot more ethnicities in there. Um, but overall, you know, this summer has been spring to summer to fall to now winter has been just tumultuous overall. And I think that for a lot of people, especially here in New York City, I've met so many folks who have begun riding their bikes for protest um, or explicitly to participate in protest. Um, A lot of young people who are, for the first time in their lives, really facing a huge political issue that they want to identify with. And there's just... a And also people who just, you know, kind of piggybacked on the opportunity to be outside because of the pandemic with the protests. So, you know, naturally with the change in seasons, with, you know, the burnout of continually protesting, energy is waning um, overall. Um, Even, you know, there have been polls that have been showing like white interest in Black Lives Matter is dipping like by the tens uh, and then the fives or percents, you know, the more time goes over. And I just need everybody who came out the gate with that strong energy to recognize that if you care about it, you need to be making um, provisions for yourself. Like you're not always going to be able to be out in the street. Like that's just not sustainable, but we do need you to support in ways that are sustained giving. And that's to, you know, endeavors like high viz, you know, which is a special showcase to uplift people, but also to your local mutual aids, you know, become sustained givers to literary and arts projects that are created by black, brown, uh, indigenous people, especially women, especially trans folks. There needs to be sustained giving, you know, the same way you give to NPR or, uh, PBS, like that's the kind of legacy you need to be establishing right now. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Thank you both for this. Uh, yeah, good, good points all around. Um, Courtney, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you because I realized that we hadn't covered it. You've Jeez. got a big fix day thing coming up. Uh, well, I'm trying to have to hear a little bit about it. Right. (laughs) So like going back to bike mayorness. Um (laughs) so a bike mayor is a person amongst the international network of basically citizen advocates who encourage cycling and then interface with um their local government to encourage the right things to happen to produce the environment. In New York City today our Department of Transportation Commissioner just resigned. So in our 
mayor sucks just gonna be honest so i'm not sure what we're gonna get done in the next year which is again why i take the approach that it matters most to educate individual cyclists because no matter which way politics goes you know what to do if they put down a bike lane or they don't you know what to do to help yourself right um but one of the and the only actually the only in-person event that i was able to hold this year was called the big fix day uh big fix day bk explicitly because it was in east brooklyn um i usually work with the department of health to uh i don't know and invigorate bike culture in far east brooklyn so these are the neighborhoods like east new york uh and brownsville that are predominantly of color still they're not yet um gentrified and people haven't just been displaced on a huge level like other places in brooklyn but also in the pandemic we know that people of color especially black and latinx folks are getting infected at phenomenal rates and dying at twice the rate that white counterparts are um so in these same neighborhoods these far east brooklyn neighborhoods they live in transportation deserts so when i look at the situation i'm like okay we've got people who live far out they live in transportation deserts um their best most reliable transportation is buses buses don't have good ventilation but it's the only way and you know the lower income you are the more likely you are to be an essential worker so we got lots of folks who can't opt out of not going to work or working from home we're just like this is a stew of why those covid diagnoses are so high so i created big fix day which is basically a huge pop-up a day-long pop-up where i bring out professional mechanics to power through the essential repairs for bicycles so i'm a lci a league certified instructor um and what we always have to make sure that people do when we do any ride is abc check that's your area breaking your chains i'm like those are the things i'm going to fix if they need air uh or anything related to their wheels and braking um if their chains are rusty or need oil because you wouldn't believe like I said somebody in the neighbor or just in the city was just like, oh, you know, $10 isn't anything when it comes to changing a tire. I'm like, I've done events in this neighborhood and people bring out their bikes because they see we're doing a bike thing and say, I haven't had bike, my bike ride written in a year because I got a flat tire, $10. I didn't have 10 extra dollars, right? So if I know that's the issue and I know that other city officials know that's the issue, I'm going to fix that issue because people like to try to keep uh, the idea of race and cycling apart. But transportation and race and segregation all go together and they're going to affect health and life or death. So big fix day fixed the goal was to fix 100 bikes i was scared if we would make it to 80 we fixed 150 um saved folks about four thousand dollars in that neighborhood we're packing down and people are still coming i'm like my mechanics need to go home like i'm so sorry but it was in that day that i realized that i want to make that a part of my bike mayor platform is to just keep doing more of these events in exactly those areas predominantly people of color um high COVID rates um, and deaths because I want to be a part of preventing that and stopping that issue for those who are willing to bike and 
and make it their their preferred transportation. That's what I want to do. So I hope to hold two more in 2021. The issue becomes funding because bike mayors are not funded. Um, so I want to figure out how to fund it because I believe in paying mechanics because they deserve pay for sure, for sure, at a good rate, like $20 an hour. That's what I'm giving people. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. I look forward to seeing that come together. And thank you. if anybody wants to help make that happen uh yes can they reach you they can um become one of those renewing uh long-term givers via my patreon i have a patreon.com slash the brown bike girl spelled all the ways that you learned in elementary school um and you can venmo me i guess if you just want to give me a giant lump sum of money (laughs) at courtney dash williams dash five six three i think my number is but like i would love to have you be a patreon uh contributor i've got weird little packages on the side that i can never keep up with because i'm so busy but nobody gets angry at me about it because they're like you're working so hard courtney i'm like thank you for (laughs) recognizing that but i did achievement this year i ordered um stickers button pins writing pins and sticky notes and i finally got those out to my <laughs> patreon supporters this year after like 10 that's right oh uh, yeah so after that's that's 10 a months solid logo nothing out that's nice yeah there's stuff out there and if i don't send you things i mean you can like be like courtney like where's my stuff and i'll try harder um but mostly I'm making a change in the world and hopefully somebody is staying alive because you gave me money to do big fix day. So please <laughs> patreon.com slash the Brown bike girl. <laughs> right on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for that. Appreciate Thank it. You. I also encourage folks to follow Courtney on Instagram because she posts regularly. It's super interesting to see what she's up to. We talked about Courtney being really busy. Uh, we also talked about this concept of, you know, people starting to get burnt out. We don't want that. We don't want to lose momentum, but people need to find their own ways to be involved. But just following Courtney is an inspiration on Instagram. And when you see that she goes live, tune in because it's interesting. Um, And, you know, especially for someone out here in Portland, like it's a different part of the country. It's a very different city than our city. And, and to get that perspective is invaluable and to see what you're doing on the ground with people all the time, uh, I think is really interesting. So I encourage folks to tune in on Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to fuss too hard, but sometimes I do. Yeah, every, and it's fun because every time, right, every time I say Eileen, this is going to be like five minutes, and then it, how long is it? It's like a half an hour of me philosophizing. <laughs> I love it, though. Something. You yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Awesome. All right. Last, last question of the evening. What's the next place you're excited to ride your bike to? If I could just what? make it around the park, I'd be happy. COVID has, I mean, the, the pandemic has <laughs> slowed me down. <laughs> that's that's fair. It's it's all fair game. <laughs> I did Thanksgiving though, and I did like 25 miles yesterday. It, it just needs to be a lot of adrenaline behind it. That's all. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ailey? 
I am um, sadly unmotivated to ride my bike these days. And that so I that resonates with me. Just getting on my bike would be great. But I really do miss uh, I moved to a different part of town and I no longer have the ability to ride to Forest Park straight from my door without being quite a chore. So my rides are paved and those are great, too, when they happen. But I really do miss riding through the woods, the little bit of woods access that we have here in Portland, which is Forest Park. And I'm looking forward to getting back out there in the woods. It's a beautiful time to be out there and I just need to find the motivation there is no other excuse I finally got my tubeless tires all figured out on my own and just mm. still okay that is no longer my excuse <laughs> and that was the excuse for a while so I just need to get the motivation to get out there cool well wishing you both an excellent next ride and thanks so much for sharing your time tonight really appreciate it yeah thank you both yeah thanks for having yeah. us all right Bye, guys. likewise Bye. y'all Hey. So things Indeed. are good. So how are you doing? Welcome to the Sprocket po- Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> hey. So it's an Aaron. It, it's a thing where, like, we've changed up our format a little bit, right? And uh, that was on me for switching the uh, read. I think that was what, like, threw me. No, I was waiting for you. I didn't even <laughs> look at the... Because I'm so used to doing the second one. Yeah, because right? we're that good. We're that, we're that comfortable. Got, we're that familiar. Yes. Yeah, yes. totally get it. Completely get it. Uh, <laughs> well, we survived. Uh, <laughs> in another, you know, E543, Aaron and Guthrie still figuring shit out. Loving it. Every you know, second. You know who else is surviving? Who else is surviving? The Beermongers on Southeast Division and 12th. The nationally recognized top beer bar in Oregon, our beverage sponsor. The Beermongers on Southeast Division and 12th. They are still open. And they have been open for more than 4,000 consecutive days. And I'm not sure if they still have the patio going outside now that it's like chillier and rainy. But given what I know about Paul and the beer mongers, it wouldn't surprise me if it's still open. So uh, go check it out. And even if the patio is still not open, they are still open. You can go get yourself some bottles to go. That they are. And speaking of bottles to go, I did a little bit ago. I honestly did not see or recall the patio. It, I'm a bad person to ask about the patio because I was just dead set on getting in there. Uh, <laughs> it would have been I obvious. Have, it was. It was like they took over the parking lot there. So if I think it's did, up. Oh. I'm just had a long week this week, so don't <laughs> okay. take my take take whatever I say next with a grain of salt. <laughs> I, I know it's Monday, but I had a long week. <laughs> had a long week uh, today. I'm having courtesy of the beer mongers, the breakside rainbows and unicorns, India pale ale. Thank you so much to the beer mongers, as always, for your support. Uh, we love you, and we want to see you around. So, appreciate right it. Yeah. Yeah. And as always, thanks to our generous Patreon donors that keep us going. I did not get this at the beer mongers um, because I just walked down the street to the local grocery store. Um, but I am drinking a classic Sioux City sarsaparilla. Because that's what I was very nice. for today. And then I'm, this is actually a really cool combination. You get a little bit of hot and cold. I'm following it up with some peppermint tea. Ooh, I like that. Those two work I, really I well I too together. am running a combination today, actually. I thought I saw a mason jar over there. Yeah. This mason jar contains 
some home-brewed ginger ale. Oh, yes. I want to try um, that someday. That's the fun thing when you have CO2 at your house. You can (laughs) chuck it through ginger and uh, come up with your own ginger drink. So I'll have to run you over some next time time we can socially distance together. Hey, so we've got a new calendar sounder. Did you know this? I did not. Yes. So Tim Mooney finally gets his wishes. We will... We will not play that. We will not ever play that. Yeah, we've decided not to use that song. Um, All all love to Tim Mooney and everything like that. But anyways, here's our new calendar sounder. Actually, I'm going to let it run for a little bit longer. There it is. We can still get Tim Mooney on our calendar Sunday. Um. Oh, speaking of calendars, so bike rides are kind of over. <laughs> or group bike rides are kind of over. I haven't checked with any of these groups yet, but uh, mm. we're, we're just going to strike this whole section. I just realized. Yeah, uh, we had made I think a decision. We're, um, oh, I can't hear you too well over the. There, yeah. Ah, I think we're calendar hiatusing right now. Yes, we were supposed to be, and I just went into it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. We'll um more outtakes yeah. for Brock to do. <laughs> Thanks, Brock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I love the sounder. That was I would I would listen to that a few times. <laughs> For our listeners who remember the days in the Airstream studio, that is a recording of the little mini piano that's pretty fun to play when you've got five minutes of downtime. Yeah. Or the piano recording is recording something like that. it was a piano. Uh, xylophone. Yeah, it was a tiny little okay. piano. There was a little xylophone in it, but that that didn't have that same range. Um, so we don't have calendar or headlines today, but what we do have. We got a piece of mail here, and this is actually um, very heartwarming. Listeners, uh, we remember Dan Gebhardt and uh, his passing uh, about a month ago. Well, in September he passed, but uh, we reissued the recording um, earlier this month. Uh, anyways, uh, we got a letter from his sister, and uh, she gave us permission to go ahead and read it, so I will do that right now. I'm Rachel. I'm Dan Gebhardt's sister. I would like to thank you for rebroadcasting the episode Dan was a guest on. That is the only recording of his voice known to me. It is nice to travel to that time where I could hear his voice again. And speaking of time travel, I chose to support you with the money that I got from Dan. I'm happy to be a vessel of continuation of his support of you, allowing him to not only be a time traveler of the past, but of the future as well. I've enjoyed listening. Keep it up. Stay safe. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you, Rachel. It was... Um, I liked being Dan's friend. Mm-hmm. 
it was good to know him. I appreciate his support. I will miss him, and I appreciate you continuing to support us in his name or in his honor. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Big thanks. That's it for mail this week, folks. That is. But if you want to change that, you know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Email thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams <laughs> at SprocketPodcast. I was going to say, should we just, should we just go right into, <laughs> right into reading our outro? Well, that is what comes next. <laughs> that is uh, what happens. I don't think we had yeah. headlines this week, but you know, we some weeks are not headline weeks. And you know what? In this current reality, that's okay. But if you have something that is headlineable, uh, that we don't find ourselves. You're also welcome to. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, yeah. Anything else, Aaron? Uh, I tested negative for COVID. That's cool. Oh yeah. Goodness. I didn't get it. How much do we? I'm like, I want to know, but also I do kind of know. How much do you feel like telling? I'm just gonna be happy for you. I'll I'll tell what I'll tell. Uh, I didn't get it. I got exposed by a coworker who didn't wear their mask often enough, which means all the time. Everybody, wear your mask. It's really not that difficult. Just, just, just fucking do it. It's hard not, not to be a little bit mad about this because one that that meant I couldn't work, and I'm fortunate enough that that doesn't affect my pay too much. And so I won't be, uh, I won't be too worried about like things like, will I be able to eat tonight? Will I still have a place to live? But there are people who do worry about those things, um, to a lesser degree. Not only was I exposed, but then in turn, I exposed Anna because we have a small one bedroom apartment where it's really impossible to isolate myself Um, so she ran into the issue of having to call off work. And for her, that is lost wages for her that if she were by herself or not with a supportive partner, that would mean, am I going to eat tonight? Um, yeah. Uh, our actions affect other people and, or our inactions or inattentiveness affect other people. And while, it's easy for me to get on my high horse. I know that I still have work to do, but also just, just fucking wear a mask. It's not, it's not a big deal. I, I don't care if you think like it's impinging on your freedom. You know what? Not wearing a mask impinges on other people's freedom. So fucking do it. Here, here, here. <laughs> There's some drums. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am happy uh, to hear that your test result is negative. It's cool. I, I'm I'm very happy as well. I will be even happier when people start wearing more masks. As in, just, you know, yeah, wear your damn thing. mask. Here's the thing. Uh, in the 70s, and even some in the 80s, and I even remember as a child, like, doing this, like, like seatbelts were, like, looked down upon as, like, oh, you're not, you're not cool if you're not wearing a seatbelt. And I know how odd that sounds now 
But back then, people didn't like wearing seatbelts. Like, car manufacturers didn't want to put seatbelts in cars. People who drove cars didn't want to wear seatbelts. Now, like, it's automatic. You just, you just do it. You just fucking do it. <laughs> you get in your car, and before you even turn it on, or even sometimes as you're turning it on, you're automatically, like, reaching back for that, that belt to drag it over you. 10, 15 years from now, people are, well, hopefully, like, we don't have to, but maybe people are just going to put on their mask. It, why can't it be just, just now? Just leave one by your door. As you go out, you just just like your seatbelt, just reach for it. Just go grab it. And put it the fuck on. <laughs> I just, sorry, keep going off on this. It's all good. I was I was screen referencing my masks on the handle of the door. Oh, because I thought you're holding. How I like, remember. Like, I thought you're holding up your finger. I I realize now. Yeah, you're pointing your at your mask right there by the door. I thought you're holding up your finger. Like, okay, Aaron, chill, chill the fuck out. Oh no, no, no! You can chill. You can unchill as much as you want. Well, it's, I mean, uh, it's a thing that one should be unchill about. Yeah, I feel like we have to. Yeah, I don't know. I. I was thinking about this today, how like, you know, people were saying like, oh, seatbelts, like you're not free if, if you fall to the lies of, of wearing a seatbelt and, and safety. And, and like now, like if you're not wearing a seatbelt, someone's like, you're a fucking dummy. You're like putting yourself and others at risk because now you're a projectile going through there. There. Here's my parallel. Now, now that I've workshopped this live for a while, here's my parallel, okay? You're not wearing a seatbelt. Like, not only is that not safe for you, but you get into a, a bad enough crash, now you are not safe for others because you are you are now a projectile. You're, like, going through your windshield. This is really gruesome, but oh well. You're going through a windshield into into somebody else or into something else. You know, you're not just a danger to yourself by not wearing a seatbelt. Same with a mask. You're not just a danger to yourself or endangering yourself by not wearing a mask. You are endangering other people. Have you ever seen those New Zealand seatbelt commercials? No. Or not commercials, but they're like commercial. Uh, they're PSAs. New Zealand seatbelt PSAs. No. They do. They do Should some it? really good ones. Uh, and I'll leave out the details, but suffice to say. The human body becomes a real hell of a bowling ball at 60 miles an hour without a seatbelt. Yes. I I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, Correlative to sneezing and wearing a mask. Just do it. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Your aerosol droplets become one hell of a bowling ball, even Mm -hmm. though you can't see it. Hey, if you like Aaron, wear your mask. Actually, shit. If you like yourself, wear your mask. If you like yourself, we love you. And we like you too, even even though I'm like you know swearing a lot. <laughs> uh, we swear because we care. There you go. <laughs> How have you been, man? Did did I hear correctly that you went you were at uh, you were at uh, Gateway Green recently? Yeah, I did a social distance ride with Chris Sims of the Go Dig a Hole podcast. Yeah. Um, so we both, you know, masked it up and uh, rode six feet apart from each other throughout town. Um, went up to Gateway Green on just kind of a meander and, and found our way back to, I think we split ways near Laurelhurst because I was headed south. 
and he was headed north. Um, yeah, it was good to catch up. Good to see Chris and was perfectly capable of riding a bike and wearing a mask at the same time, which nice. uh, I don't have COVID right now. So I guess that turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Gateway Green is cool. Uh, I hadn't seen it almost ever. Uh, so I wanted to go go check it out. It's pretty easy to social distance ride here in Milwaukee because there's not oh, a lot of other yeah. people on bikes. <laughs> um, so how did you how did you get to Gateway Green? Did you ride your bikes the whole way, or did you also transit? Oh no, we rode. Mm-hmm. Um, we met up kind of in northeast, um, mm-hmm. sort of towards the Decom neighborhood. And then we went, we kind of followed your work route and oh, then yeah. went off to the uh, pathway up by the airport. And Chris had never been on the bike path along 205. So I was just kind of showing him some of that. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, we rolled up and there was Gateway Green. So, yeah. Oh, so it was like kind of impromptu people. even. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was just, it, I would call it a bike meander. Ah. Right on. A ramble. Um, I always love biking around town and like seeing how other people, myself, route finding because like I've got my own kind of like set ways that I like to navigate the city, and so uh, you know, without the group ride stuff going on, uh, being able to do a distance ride with a friend and seeing how they like to see the city and then kind of like mixing and matching our uh, combined knowledge was a really nice way to explore. It's like, you know, same places I've been a lot of times, but I haven't been there that way before. That's always exciting. I like discovering like new ways of, of getting to a place that I've already been to. Uh, I really appreciate when other people Mm -hmm. like Rodney alley, yeah, <laughs> that mm-hmm. that alley's so cool. It uh, it flooded. Yeah, I like that alley. <laughs> it flooded this week. Oh. I I wrote it uh, uh, earlier this week. I think it was like Monday or yeah. Well, yeah, it would have had to have been Monday because I took the rest of the week off. Um, <laughs> yeah, rode through it, and it was like that that deep kind of flooding where as you go through. If you turn the cranks all the way to where your foot is at the bottom, like your foot mm-hmm. will dip into the mud puddle. You're hoping that your um, hub has enough points of engagement that you don't need to necessarily get your feet wet. Right. But. Or you got like enough momentum that's going to see you through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, number of times that I have like fallen over in the middle of those things <laughs> is totally more than one. <laughs> Like, well, I'm just wet now, so yeah. here we go. <laughs> I haven't quite fallen it's those over. those darn potholes you can't see. <laughs> yeah, I've I've put my foot down a couple times where, like, either it's too muddy and, like, I feel myself slipping, like I feel the tires slipping, or I just didn't get the momentum that I thought I got and then realize, like, if I start pedaling, then I'll start sliding, so you just end up putting a foot down. <laughs> yep. Commit to the bit. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, we find ourselves at the end of yet another Sprocket Podcast episode. Yes. Uh, Aaron, I haven't seen your face in person for 
shit, months now. But oh. it was really nice to see your face online. Yes. I had a beard last time we saw each other. I had like this a is true. big, nasty yeah. beard. This is actually just overgrowth because I was lazy. I've shaved it since then. I like it. You're like, you walked out of a movie set and you're fucking ready for action. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, I'm your man in action. <laughs> if you smoked um, bubblegum cigarettes, you'd like toss one in your mouth right now. Yep. There you go. <laughs> like cool. The- well, we'll catch you folks next week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Aaron, for the opportunity to chat. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Keep it groovy, folks. Right on. Here's some credits. The Sprocket Podcast was formerly produced at X-Ray FM Studios. Thank you, X-Ray. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss. Todd Parker, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson. J.P. Hewley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Loru. Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder. Anna, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who is on the screen in front of me. Aaron uh, Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regrainery. Campsite, Nightmares David, Nathan Fulton. Rory in Michigan, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Cullen, Harry Hugel, EJ Finneran. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Digital latency, Thanks, Zoomlag. Uh, <laughs> Sean Barrett, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite, Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks, Kaka. Marshall, Paula at Funitake Cyclecraft. Philip M. Spartandale, no relation. Mr. T, who never really left, Bike Initiative Keweenaw. Sarah G. Adam D, go dig a hole, Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Oso. Isaac M., David Christensen, 503. Byron Patterson, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G., and our newest donor, Rachel Moline. Thank you, Rachel. And, mm-hmm. and to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far. Now, wash your hands. And wear your mask. Just, just fucking do it. Just, just wear, your, wear your fucking mask, man. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll see you later, Guthrie. All right. Have a good one, Aaron. <laughs> you too.